right, welcome in FCS Tackle Football fans to another episode of the FCS Football Talk podcast presented by Hero Sports and BetMGM. I am your host, Sam Herter, and you can find me on Twitter at Sam Herter FCS. And this episode going to be breaking down the 2022 FCS playoff bracket. Honestly, a whole lot of preparation uh, for this. No notes written down, no talking points written down. Uh, just mostly going to gonna shoot from the hip uh, a little bit here on my thoughts of the selections, the bracket, how it all uh, shook itself out as far as how the bracket looks. And uh, yeah, so this, this should be interesting. Kind of running on not a whole lot of sleep. Uh, I didn't get a whole lot of sleep during my trip to Bozeman. Uh, did shut down some bars on what was that Thursday night? Uh, then Friday night, didn't get a whole lot of sleep because of waking up early for college game day. So overall, a really, really fun trip to Bozeman to watch the Brawl of the Wild and to watch ESPN's college game day uh, early flight yesterday. Not a whole lot of sleep yesterday either as try to try to break down uh, this bracket and try to get some answers and stuff like that uh, as well. So uh, kind of just going to, going to ramble here throughout this podcast. Hopefully it's, it's somewhat enjoyable for you guys. And I guess we can start with uh, the two Montana teams uh, just because that is where I was at over the weekend. And I honestly thought after watching that game, that that was going to put a nail uh, in Montana's coffin as far as their playoff hopes. Now I had, even after the Grizz lost three games in a row and even all throughout November yeah, in my bracketology, I was saying that I do think Montana is going to lose to Montana state, but I think they are going to get in at seven and four. Uh, and that, I think that was the thing that most people disagreed with in my bracketology throughout Montana or throughout November uh, saying no way Montana gets in at seven and four. They don't deserve it. And I just kind of said, no, I I still think the Grizz will get in at seven and four. But watching the game up in the press box this last weekend from Bozeman, as Montana State just continued to extend the lead, extend the lead and and, and whoop up on, on the Grizz, I thought, okay, this the committees are watching all these games right now. It just seems like no way they watch that and, and see a seven and four Montana team with no quality wins. He has some quality losses to Sac State and Weber State on the road without their starting quarterback. But with Lucas Johnson back starting quarterback for Montana and how they lost to Montana State, I thought, okay, just with how this performance, I don't think Montana gets in. Uh, I, I projected Montana out. One of my, my first team out, I also projected Delaware as my first team out. Well, my first two teams out and I got those two wrong. Uh, those two were in. Uh, the teams I thought were going to be in were Chattanooga and UC Davis, which hindsight, you know, is what it is. I, I probably took, a, you know, my goal <laughs> with my final bracketology is to try to get as many right as possible and just say, hey, this, this is what I think the committee is going to do and try to be accurate as possible. In hindsight, probably took too big of a risk there. Uh, projecting UC Davis in at six and five, especially because I kind of, you know, went back on, on what I said all year that I don't think six and five will get you in. Uh, but with Davis's, you know, dominant win over Idaho and then having a 50 50 game at Sac State, I thought, you know what, with all the teams that lost, all the bubble teams that lost, with how Montana lost, yeah, maybe, maybe UC Davis is that six and five team that can get in. Uh, but that obviously didn't happen. And then Chattanooga. I, I thought the SOCON maybe got enough respect uh, to get a seven and four team in, but at the same time, Chattanooga lost their last game against unranked. Uh, I believe it was Western Carolina. Uh, correct. I, I believe it was unranked Western Carolina that beat Chattanooga. It was essentially the second year in a row that Chattanooga, if they would have won, they would have been in. 
the Chattanooga would have had eight wins uh, this year, uh, but they lost that game. Uh, and ultimately that is what kept the mocks out of the playoff bracket. And so speaking of Montana and Delaware, making it in uh, Lucas Sim, who covers uh, the Montana Grizz in Missoula. Uh, he, he got uh, Jermaine Truax, the committee chair. I uh, got some good quotes from him afterwards. Uh, and it was just, you know, some really interesting comments from Jermaine Truax, who I had on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I really appreciated his candidness. He wasn't, you know, politically correct a, a lot about about a lot of things. And, you know, I appreciated that about Jermaine. And he was even more candid uh, with Lucas. And he had a quote uh, that said, uh, we're talking about the bidding process uh, and the fact that they do factor in the bids uh, as far as the bid amounts. Now, the committee still does not see what the bid amounts are. Uh, they do they do not know the exact number. Once the first round matchups are paired up, then they open the bids and you know they see all right. You know Delaware bid more than St. Francis. Delaware will you know will be will be the home team and so on and so on. But the fact that he said we do consider bids and how much we think bids will be, and they just have a general idea that you know of course a team like Montana and Delaware with with you know teams that invest in football, they are going to bid high. Just the fact that he said that is a factor, not the factor, because, you know, the committee did say that they think Montana is one of the best teams left um, that they should be in. And they talked about quality losses. And so the bid wasn't necessarily the factor, but just the fact that they said it is a factor and something they talk about to me is wild. uh, And that shouldn't be the case again, whether that was the the deciding factor or not, uh, who knows, but just the fact that that is something they discuss uh, I I don't think it is right and um, kind of just puts puts a black eye uh, on things uh, just because, again, just the fact that they said that is a factor and we do consider athlete experience and, and bid amount and stuff like that when we when we're choosing some of our last teams in. Uh, I do not think that is right and uh, it kind of sends uh, the wrong message uh, as well uh, as far as how you schedule in your non-conference. I tweeted this too that. You know, if, if UC Davis had Montana schedule and Montana's had and Montana had UC Davis's non-conference schedule, it, w- it would probably be UC Davis in in the bracket. But the fact that UC Davis scheduled tough, scheduled a great game against South Dakota State, scheduled a Power Five opponent, but they lost to those two games, a uh, close one to South Dakota State. You know, UC Davis had a better record in the Big Sky than Montana, but they were also one and two going into the Big Sky schedule, while Montana was three and zero. Oh. Going into the Big Sky schedule, uh, Montana beat Indiana State, who's awful. They beat Northwestern State, who isn't very good. They did play in schedule South Dakota, which at the time was was admittedly a, a good game because South Dakota was coming off of a playoff appearance and we thought would be a playoff contender. But South Dakota ended up not being good at all this year, which that part of it is not Montana's fault. It was still a good non-conference game. But I think it's just kind of also sending a wrong message of because I, I think the Jermaine Trax had a quote that said, we, we just had, had a tough time putting UC Davis in at six wins over other teams with 71 wins. And again, that just, you know, kind of sends the wrong message as far as how you want to schedule. And uh, if you're, if you're in a, a conference like the CAA or the, uh, the big sky or, or the Valley teams that or conferences that get a lot of respect from the committee, you know, it's, if you want to, if you need a money game, schedule a money game, but then schedule two cupcakes. And so you're two and one, if not three and oh, uh, heading into conference play, and you are you already have a leg up to hit seven or eight uh, Division One wins. Uh, so that that was some interesting 
quotes right there. Now on the Montana State side of things, because I know the Bobcat fans are very, uh, very, very upset with their draw, and I don't, I don't blame them. Yeah, I, I was surprised with NDSU being seated one spot ahead of Montana State. The Bison number three, the Bobcats number four. That was a surprise to me. Now, what is interesting is I thought that. I thought it was going to be Sac State 1, South Dakota State 2, Montana State 3, North Dakota State 4. And had it been that, had it been that, you know, the, the semifinals would have been the exact same. Uh, you know, Montana State at 3 still would have had to go to South Dakota State at 1. North Dakota State at 4 still would have had to go to Sac State at 1. Uh, but just the fact that it is South Dakota State 1, Montana State Four that still is the same semifinal matchup, and the fact that it is uh, Sac State two and NDSU three that is still you know the same semi semifinal matchup uh, compared to my projection. And even though even if Montana State was the three seed, even if Montana State was the four seed or the second seed, they still would have gotten paired up with North Dakota Weber State just by, based off of regionalization. Uh, and so I know Montana State isn't a fan of their draw. But again, if Montana State was the three seed, still would have been playing the winner of UND Weber State. I, I do get the fact that since Sac State is the two seed, that you know Montana State would, would much rather be the three seed in this situation, just because I, I think Montana State would much rather go to Sac State for a potential semifinals than going to South Dakota State for a potential semifinals. And so no doubt. I understand Montana State fans being mad about getting the four seed. Uh, I would, you know, if I was a Montana State fan, I would be more upset about the seed than the second round draw. Uh, you know, I, you know, Montana State certainly wishes they and thinks they should be the three seed, better draw overall for the semifinals. But as far as the UND Weber State draw, that that would have been the second round draw regardless of seeding. Speaking of UND and Weber State, I, I do think that is one of the better. First round matchups. Uh, it is interesting, though, because UND submitted uh, a very high bid. I don't know the specific amount. Uh, I don't know the specific amount about Weber State either. But I have heard this morning from two neutral sources that are not connected to UND or Weber State that uh, UND is, is very confident that they submitted uh, a, a higher bid than Weber State. Uh, one source just straight up said, uh, I'm I, I, I'm pretty sure they said UND had a higher bid than Weber State. Uh, and again, this is uh, two folks that are not affiliated with, with, the, with either of these teams. And I do know that UND president or not president, excuse me, uh, athletic director Bill Chapes is, is looking into it and to see if he can see the bid amounts, you know, just to see exactly why UND uh, did not earn uh, a, a home playoff bid uh, because they did bid significantly higher than 2019, I believe it was. Uh, and so it wouldn't surprise me if you indeed bid, you know, six figure uh, amount. But it is it is interesting that for the most part, whoever submits the higher bid is going to host. But that's not necessarily dead set, deadlock. Whoever has the higher bid. Uh, is is going to host. Uh, the committee does look at other things as far as athlete experience, and they look at uh, facility availability. They look at home field. They look at logistics as far as traveling, uh, hotels. Is there enough hotels? Uh, what, what's what, what what's the flight? You know, is it easy uh, to get there? And so they do look at at those type of things. And it, it could be. I'm not saying this is happening, so don't quote me on, on saying 
on me saying this did happen, but there is a chance that, you know, and again, these are not the exact numbers, but let's say UND bid 110,000 to host and Weber State bid 115, or excuse me, UND bid 110,000 to host. Weber State bid 100,000 to host. So UND had the higher bid, but not by a lot. You know, the committee might say, well, Weber State was just outside of us giving them a seed. You know, their bid is a little bit lower, but we do think UN, or we do think Weber State, uh, the fact that they were almost a seed and the fact that we think maybe they, they will have a better home field crowd uh, and, and, and a better setting, uh, maybe even though UND bid a little bit more, we'll still give the home game to Weber State. Maybe that was the type of conversation there, but I do find it interesting that uh, UND is, is, and others are, are confident that they did have the higher bid than Weber State, yet Weber got the home game. And so we'll see if we we do get any information as far as uh, you know how much each team bid because it is not public knowledge. Um, I don't know exactly how FOIA uh, would work for that Freedom of Information Act. I do know sometimes programs will tell their local media or you know what what their what their bid was. You know, I know James Madison came out one year and and, and they did a story on how much they bid, and I think it was over two hundred thousand that James Madison bid one time uh, to host. And so uh, we'll see if we find out any information about that. Uh, what else uh, can I talk about here? Um, you know, it is interesting and it, it makes it hard to not, not make an excuse or anything, but it, it is hard to project the bracket uh, because every year things change uh, as far as what the committee uh, looks at. You know, there's committee member changes every year. I think each member serves four or five years, uh, but every year there's one, two, three terms that end in and new members coming in. And uh, as if you guys heard the podcast where Jermaine Truex, he said, there's a lot of criteria they look at, but not one thing is not weighted more than the other. And each member, each committee member can weigh one thing more than the other. And there's just some things that happened this year that wasn't necessarily the case in past years. Uh, a few examples here. I know in past years, and I apologize, I can't think of specific team examples as far as this is what happened to this team this year. Uh, but I do know just, just, you know, covering selection Sunday and, 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 you know, knowing kind of how the, how the bracket works and, and some decisions that were made. I do know in past years when, when the committee was asked, why did this team not make it in the committee said, well, we look at how you finish the season. And if you finish the season, not very strong, you know, that that's the reason we might keep you out. Well, that wasn't the case this year with Delaware who lost three of their final four games. Uh, the last loss was to Villanova who was not ranked at, at the time. Uh, and so that was kind of a flip flop there, a flip flop there where the committee didn't necessarily look at how Delaware finished. And they just looked at their overall body of work at seven and four with an FBS win to get them in. Another thing in the past that they talked about when, why did this team get in? Why did this team get in? Why did this team not get in? I remember them one time saying, well, you know, sometimes we look at, all right, who's, who's in our bracket right now. Who's on the bubble right now of these bubble teams, who has the most wins over teams in our bracket or also on the bubble. And, you know, if there's a team that had a win over a team that's in her bracket, or there's, you know, a team on the bubble that, that has a win over, you know, uh, another team on the bubble, we, we will factor that in as well. Well, that again, that was not the case this year because Montana was in, I already talked about them a little, a little bit, but Montana, while they have some competitive quality losses, they do not own any wins over teams uh, either on the bubble 
or in the playoff field. And so that was kind of another reverse course. Uh, another thing that kind of changed, I, I know in past, they talked a lot about strength of schedule when it comes to seeding. That was not the case this year, just with the fact that Holy Cross was a seed. They did not have a great strength of schedule. Incarnate Word was also a seed. They did not have a strength of schedule. Meanwhile, Weber State had less Division One wins than them. Uh, but they did have uh, an FBS win and they did have more ranked wins as well for Weber State over those two in a much, much tougher strength of schedule. Um, but again, don't have it in front of me, but I believe Weber State's strength of schedule was like 12. Holy Cross was in the 70s. UIW was in the 40s or 50s, somewhere around there. So in the past, I know there are examples of a team that was maybe eight and three or even or nine and two, and they were seated over a team that was 10 and one. And I remember the committee saying, well, we did factor in strength of schedules when it comes to giving teams first round buys and seeds that again, that was not the case this year. And, and last example here too, I, in the past, the committee getting six and five teams in doesn't happen a lot, but you know, it does. It has happened in the past. Last year was, was an example with Northern Iowa, and usually, you know, the committee will will get grilled. Like, how can a six and five team make it in? Like, if you're six and five, you don't you don't deserve to get in. And the committee, I remember in the past, would say, "Well, this six and five team scheduled very very tough, and they had some very very close games to some of our." higher seeded teams, and they also beat a team that is already in our field. Well, that's exactly what what UC Davis. Uh, that's exactly what their resume is. They they absolutely dominated Idaho a couple of weeks ago, and Idaho is in the field. They had a two-point loss to South Dakota State. Uh, granted, the, the Jacks allowed a couple of late scores there, but it was still, you know, at the end of the day, UC Davis still had an opportunity to, to tie uh, against the top-seeded South Dakota State earlier in the year. UC Davis still came back and had an opportunity to, to tie with a two-point conversion. Uh, UC Davis also... Narrowly lost to who is it Weber State, uh, and they also lost to Montana State. That was that was a bit more decisive, you know, a 17 point loss. So I won't I won't necessarily count that as a quality loss for UC Davis, but their loss, their close losses to Weber State, which was a five point loss, I believe, and then their two point loss to South Dakota State was their uh, another quality loss. Uh, then again, with their big win over Idaho. That's why I thought, okay, six and five, I didn't think was going to get in. Uh, and then also, I, I forgot about this one. Another quality loss was losing a really close state, a really close game to Sac State this last weekend, who is now the two seed. So that's three really good quality losses there, plus a, a dominant rank, ranked win over Idaho is in the field. I felt like that was enough to get UC Davis in. And when I projected them in, I was kind of thinking back to, well, the the committee has put six and five teams in the past, and the reason for putting those six and five teams in the past is kind of the same resume that that Davis has right now. So that is another, I don't want to say a, maybe it is a flip-flop, you know, not being consistent, but at the same time, again, you know, new committee members uh, every year, whether it's one, two, three new committee members every year, sometimes they weigh different things. Uh, you know, sometimes the committee chair will, will maybe preach different things. He doesn't have the end all be all say or anything, but uh, you know, sometimes he can maybe stress things to uh you know, to the committee, uh, as far as, and he said it la two weeks ago, Jermaine Trax did as far as like, he's, he's kind of the quarterback and he asked the tough, he asked tough questions and he, and he makes people think about different, different ways. And so that could be a factor as well. And so just a, a lot of moving parts when it comes to, uh, the committee and how they decide things and some things that have happened in the past that haven't happened this year, which can make it difficult to project. And now next year, I'll certainly have to keep in mind them talking about, you know, athlete experience and, and home field and, and, and bid amounts. Uh, again, if that's not the end all be all, now we know that they do factor that in. And while they don't see the bid amounts, 
They do know that a team like Delaware is going to bid a lot. They do know a team that like Montana is going to bid a lot. Uh, you know, if UND is, you know, on the bubble again, it sounds like UND bids quite a bit. And so that's, that could help UND, you know, next year if they're on the bubble again and the committee goes, well, you know, they gave us a six figure bid last year. We didn't give it to them, but Hey, we know that they're going to bid more than the $30,000. That's, uh, you know, whoever Florida A&M bid or Gardner Webb bid or Fordham bid, you know, whatever, or maybe 50,000 that New Hampshire bid, not saying those are the exact amounts, just again, using examples. And so that's another thing I'll, I'll factor in next year when it comes to uh, my bracketology and, and trying to trying to get it as accurate uh, as, as possible. You know, I did see some comments after I tweeted yesterday that said, well, I whiffed on these two teams, not making it. And some people said, well, your bracket was better than theirs anyways. That's not like, that's not really what I'm trying to, to to get at with my bracketology. I'm trying to say, all right, this is what I think the committee is going to do uh, just to, I guess, try to get fans an idea of, of, you know, where they could be seated or if they're in or not. So I had, I had a couple of misses there with, with putting Chattanooga and UC Davis in. Uh, so I got that wrong, got it wrong that Delaware and Montana, I left them, I, I left them out uh, for Montana and Delaware. Got that wrong. Uh, seeds. Let's see. Seeds, I got the top four right, just mixed around a little bit. Uh, I got uh, seven out of eight seeds total correct. Holy Cross, number eight seed being correct. Uh, I had I had Sanford at five and William & Mary at six. Those two were flipped around, so William & Mary is five. Sanford is six on the actual bracket. Uh, again, I had Holy Cross at eight. They're eight. I did have Weber State at number seven at the number seven seed. UIW end up being the seven seed. So uh, decent bracketology this year, I guess, on my end, but not as good as as last year. Um, and I know there was there was some that got twenty three out of twenty four teams in correct. Um, and even my guy Brad Jones from Bison sixteen sixty, who I'm on with a lot, uh, I saw that he got all 24 teams correct. Uh, I can't remember if he got all eight seeds correct, but he did get all 24 teams incorrect. And he might've been the only one out there. I don't know for sure, but he may have been the only one out there to get all 24 out of 24 uh, teams correct. And that's, I mean, that's, that's the fun of it. You know, bracketology again, it's all of us just kind of guessing based on what we think the, the committee is going to do. And of course it'd be cool to, to, pr to project a, a perfect bracket, but that's always going to be difficult to do just with what I said of kind of, moving not moving targets but kind of moving criteria and you never really know what they're going to stress I, I i know one year again going back going back to what they did one year can't remember specifically but when they were talking about <clears throat> excuse me they're talking about why is this team the one seed why is this team the two seed i know for sure it wasn't last year but maybe it was 2018 2019 something like that uh they talked they, they talked about well we looked at the resumes and this team was you know had more wins better sos more ranked wins more wins over teams in the playoff field and on and on and on and i thought that maybe they were going to do that again this year and if that was the case sac state kind of had the edge a little bit over south Dakota state for the top seed uh, but they end up going with with south Dakota state the one seed uh and sac state the two seed. So, you know, again, kind of just uh, another moving thing there when it comes to trying to project the bracket. So, you know, overall, yeah, I don't know. It, this, this bracket is, is going to be interesting because is it actually wide open or not? I, you know, I really don't know. I, I, I do think South Dakota state has a, a pretty favorable path to Frisco as it should be for the one seed, you know, 
you look at their games up until the quarterfinals, they shouldn't have a problem with either St. Francis or Delaware. And then who they meet in the quarterfinals. I mean, Fordham, New Hampshire is going to be a great game. And it wouldn't surprise me if Fordham or New Hampshire beats Holy Cross. Uh, and so whoever South Dakota State meets up in the quarterfinals, I think the Jacks will be favored, especially at home. And then when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the bottom side of that bracket, depending on who you're, how, what, what bracket you were looking at, who South Dakota State could potentially meet up, meet up with in the semifinals. Uh, you know, I would project Montana State, but again, that UND Weber State game is going to be one of the better ones in the first round. I think you have to lean Weber State with it being at home. And would it be surprising if Weber State beats number four seed Montana State in the second round? Not surprising at all. That was a wild, wild game in the regular season. High scoring, 50 50 game. Weber State. You know, had they not had four bad snaps for safeties on punts, had they not had a drop on fourth down in the red zone, Weber State possibly could have, could have won that game. And so that's not a game before uh, Montana State. And even William & Mary's is an intriguing team. You know, could William & Mary go to, uh, you know, whether it be Montana State or, you know, maybe they would end up hosting Weber State if Weber gets that second round win. William & Mary is another intriguing team. And so who makes the semifinals out of that pod? I would probably lean Montana state, but it's that, you know, projecting a Weber state win this weekend, that's going to be a really, really tough game for the Bobcats. And so I, I do think South Dakota state comes out of that side of the bracket to make it to Frisco. And then the bottom side, I think NDSU is the three seed has a pretty favorable path to at least the semifinals. Uh, you know, SEMO is, is their starting quarterback, standout standing, uh, starting quarterback, Paxton DeLaurent uh, missed last week's game. I believe it foot, ankle, lower leg injury that he suffered a couple of weeks ago. And with it being at Montana, you would probably favor Montana there. Montana going to NDSU. Uh, I think that's a, a really exciting matchup as far as just the brand, you know, Montana versus North Dakota State. That's always fun. Uh, but just with how Montana's rush defense looked against Montana State, you have to favor NDSU there. Uh, you know, Idaho, Southeastern Louisiana. I think that's another intriguing game. Wouldn't surprise me if Idaho went, won. And it honestly, wouldn't surprise me if Idaho then went to six seed Sanford and got a win. I, I have been very high on Sanford, but, you know, I think their defense is better. But at the same time, they just got into a shootout. And so could Idaho make a run to the quarterfinals? That wouldn't be a surprise, but at the same time, uh, Southeastern Louisiana, I think is solid and that's going to be a tough road game for Idaho. And so whoever NDSU meets in the quarterfinals there, uh, I think the buyers are going to feel good about whoever that is, whether it is Sanford, Idaho or Southeastern Louisiana. And then the last pod I think is probably the most intriguing uh, because you have Elon going to Furman, you have Davidson going to Richmond, and then you have Sac State, the two seed, you have UIW, the number seven seed. In my opinion, I think this is the most intriguing pod of the four corners because Elon at Furman, I think is fascinating matchup. SoCon and CAA fans kind of have a little bit of a rivalry as far as, oh, the CAA is overrated or no, the SoCon is overrated. Well, in this matchup, you get Furman, who is the second best team of the SoCon and then Elon versus Elon, who is probably the, uh, what are they? Probably the third, maybe the third best team. Uh, in the CAA, maybe maybe the second, but uh, behind Elon, or excuse me, behind William and Mary in Richmond, we'll just say, we'll just say Elon is either the second or third best team uh, out of the CAA. And so you have second to third place team in the CAA going up against the second place team in the SOCON. Well, that'll tell us, all right, maybe who who is the better conference here? Uh, let's let's stack up uh, teams that are kind of in, in the same slot in, the, in their conference and see who is better. And the winner there. I mean, I think I think Elon is really solid. I also think Furman is really solid. Could one of those teams go to UIW and get a win? 
I, I think it's possible Incarnate Word hasn't been tested all that much. This would probably be their toughest opponent of the season uh, as far as an FCS opponent. And so could Elon make a run to the quarters? Maybe. Could Furman make a run to the quarters? I, that wouldn't surprise me either. At the same time, UIW has looked so good this season, especially on offense and defense looks much improved too. So could UIW make it to the quarterfinals, play Sac State and beat Sac State in the quarterfinals? I think I, that won't surprise. That won't be surprising either. Uh, at the same time, Sac State will they even make it to the quarterfinals? I, I think they will, but you you have to think that Richmond is going to beat Davidson. Richmond's a, a good team, so can Richmond fly across the country and beat Sac State? We've seen it before. Uh, you know, is Richmond uh, last year South Dakota State? No, not, not even close. I don't think. But is this Richmond team better than the 2019 Austin P team that beat Sac State? I think it is. At the same time, I do think this year's Sac State is much better than that 2019 team, and I do think Sac State is built uh, to make it to uh, the semifinals. And so I'm not saying Sac State is going to lose early. I'm just saying, would it be surprising if they did? Would it be surprising if Furman or Elon made it to the quarterfinals? No. Would it be surprising if UIW made it to the semifinals? No. So I think that bottom pod uh, is really, really intriguing. And then, you know, from there, if Sac State doesn't make it to the semifinals, then NDSU gets gets a home semifinal game. But even if Sac State does make it to the semifinals and matches up with NDSU, I, I've kind of said it a couple times this year. Yeah, Sac State certainly deserves to be ranked ahead of NDSU just based on the resume and based on who Sac State has beaten and, and battle tested Sac State compared to NDSU, who is still NDSU, but, you know, they they have, I think have had one complete performance all year, and that was this last week against UND. Uh, maybe not totally complete because NDSU's run defense looked gettable at times, at different times against UND, especially up the middle. So maybe you can favor Sac State there uh, with their quarterback rushing attack and their physical uh, running back attack with Cameron Scadaboo. So, you know, Sac State versus NDSU potential there. I mean, I don't know. I think most people would probably feel more comfortable with NDSU picking NDSU to win at Sac State, uh, but you know, but Sac State might have that ground game to attack the middle of NDSU's rushing defense. And so, top side of the bracket, I feel pretty confident South Dakota State will make it to Frisco. Bottom side, I do think Sac State. I think things go chalk for the most part as far as Sac State, the number two seed in North Dakota State, the number three seed meeting in semifinals. But in that potential semifinal matchup, you know, I'll, I may change my opinion just based on how Sac State looks and how NDSU looks. But, you know, right now, it's in my opinion, in my opinion, I would probably pick NDSU to beat Sac State in the semifinals. Again, might change my opinion just based on if NDSU is, you know, barely been struggling, barely beating some of these teams and Sac State starts to roll. Might change my opinion. But right now, I would probably project South Dakota State, one seed meeting up with North Dakota State the three seed in Frisco. And from there, man, it, it'd be hard to pick against the Bison uh, in Frisco, uh, especially with that three-week buildup and, and just how good NDSU plays in Frisco. But I, I've i said all year that I think South Dakota State is the most complete team, the most talented team uh, across the board from quarterback, running back, receivers, tight end, offensive line. Defensive line is really, really good. Linebackers are really, really good. The Jacks will get Adam Bach, who I think is the best linebacker in the FCS. I think they will get him back. Uh, and the secondary has been playing really well. So if I had to guess right now, South Dakota State versus North Dakota State in Frisco, I'll take the Jacks as the national champion. Uh, and that's how I feel right now before any playoff games are are played. And so, like I said, could potentially change my mind just based off of how these teams look. But that is kind of my... Uh, 
on the spot bracket projections right now and how I see things shaking out, uh, especially at the end of the bracket. So uh, appreciate you guys listening. I don't even know how many minutes uh, I went here, but hopefully that was a, a decent listen as far as my reaction to the bracket, uh, some critiques, uh, and, and also how I see the bracket shaking out. I will have later on this week on HeroSports.com uh, more specific second round, or excuse me, first round predictions. I'll predict every first round game and what I think the the, the score is going to be. I'll also have an article ranking my favorites to win the national championship, uh, ranked 24 to 1. That's something I, I've done every year and been pretty popular as far as all right, before the first round, here are my favorites for the national title ranked 24 to 1. Second round, same article, but rank it 16 to 1, quarterfinals 8 to 1, semifinals 4 to 1, and then, then it's national title time. And so check out those two pieces later on this week, first round predictions, and also my favorites to win the national title ranked 24 to 1. So that should wrap it up. I think I have most of the talking points down, um, you know, shout out to Gardner Webb, their first playoff appearance, shout out to Idaho, their first playoff appearance since coming back to the FCS from FBS, uh, you know, SEMO, you know, making it, they made it a couple of times, but they're having a fantastic season. Uh, Patriot League, shout out to the Patriot League, getting two teams into the field for the first time since I believe 2015 with Fordham and Holy Cross. Uh, you know, great to see New Hampshire back in the field as well. They are a blue blood. They had what, like, 14, 15, 16 years in a row of making the bracket, but haven't made it back in a couple of years. Uh, Eastern Kentucky, first time they've made the bracket in in a while. They are also, if you want to look at Blue Bloods, they have also had great past success in the FCS playoffs going back a couple of decades. So great to see Eastern Kentucky back in the bracket as well. Uh, and yeah, that's, you know, Richmond is back in the bracket uh, as well. After a couple, I think a few years out, they made a run to the semifinals in the mid 2010. So I think overall, when you look at the teams, yes, there's no James Madison that hurts. There's no Jacksonville state, Sam Houston state, uh, excuse me, Sam Houston, not Sam Houston state, Sam Houston. It is weird not seeing those teams in the bracket. Uh, and again, you know, that, that not seeing those kind of more blue blood, well-known names hurts. But at the same time, you, you go through this and you see the names in here. And there's a lot of teams that have either really risen their game recently or have a lot of success at this level. So I, I think it will be an exciting bracket. I think we have some intriguing second round games, some intriguing first round games as well before the second round. Uh, and some potential for some really fun games in the quarterfinals and semifinals. So, uh, yeah, should be a, a fun bracket. And, you know, hopefully it it is, uh, you know, a bit more wide open and maybe we see some some blue, some new blood in the semifinals, uh, just, a, you know, maybe a little bit of change of pace and something different. But we will see if that actually does happen or not. The one thing I like about the playoffs is we talk all the time about, you know, well, this team should be in this conference is good. Well, it's time to prove it in in the playoffs. And, you know, every year, you know, it seems like history repeats itself where, yeah, this one team is looking really good out of this. You know, this one team out of a more South Conference is looking really, really good, but they run into uh, maybe a CAA or Valley team or a Big Sky team with the worst record, uh, and they end up losing. And, you know, I know you can't base things off of previous years, but, you know, it was interesting during the selection show where Jay Walker, who I know is not terribly popular with FCS fans, uh, I've never interacted with him. I'm sure he's a, he's a very nice guy, so, uh, you know, not, nothing personal, but he does have some quotes in there every year of the show that kind of, you know, makes you wonder how much he is paying attention. And the fact that he was just flabbergasted that a team like UT Martin doesn't make it in when they were co-champs uh, or the flabbergasted that Florida A&M doesn't get in at, at, at nine and two. I mean, it's, it's kind of conventional FCS wisdom that, yeah, while, while those 
teams might have better records or our conference champs, you know, there's a reason that the second place team or the second team out of the OVC doesn't get in while the fifth place team or the fifth play from the big sky or the CAA gets in or why a nine and two Florida A&M was, was left out when they have a, you know, a really bad strength of schedule compared to other teams with, with really good strength of schedules, like a seven and four UND with a number two strength of schedule. Like that's, that's pretty conventional FCS wisdom. And it shakes out that way too, uh, in the playoffs, you know, like I said, with, you know, sometimes some 10 and one or nine and two, OVC or Southland teams losing to a seven and four CAA team or big sky team or a Valley team. And so will we see that this year? Uh, will kind of that narrative continue to rank to ring true? We'll see, or maybe some teams can flip the, their narrative. If Furman goes on a run, they could, they can flip the narrative uh, on, uh, on the SoCon, for example, or if Southeastern Louisiana beats Idaho, a quality team out of the big sky, and then they beat Sanford out of the SoCon, maybe that flips some narrative to, about the Southland. Hey, if UIW goes on a run, they beat Sac State in the quarterfinals. That could flip the narrative on the Southland as well. And so to me, th- there's narratives out there uh, about the FCS and which conferences are better than the other and who gets more love than the other. Well, there's a reason those narratives are out there and that's because of the non-conference uh, and that's because of the playoffs and what happens in the playoffs. And so uh, will past history repeat itself or will there be some narratives flipped as far as who's winning? We'll see, but uh, certainly will be exciting. So, now I will wrap it up after that little tangent. So I appreciate you guys listening. Have a good Thanksgiving and enjoy the first round games. And we'll be back next week to talk about those first round games and also preview the second round of the FCS playoffs. So thanks again for listening. I'll catch you guys on the flippity flip. Flippity flip.